Thanks for your prayers. It's good to be back from Israel, and um, we appreciated uh, all, all the prayers from this end. Uh, this morning, we're going to just continue in a place of worship. As I mentioned after the worship set, this is going to be about warfare, and uh, it's our last Sunday in the series that we started at the beginning of the new year. Um, we are uh, going to get you to get into your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 6. I'll get there in a minute. I'm just going to do a, a quick uh, recap of where we've been so far on this little journey. Uh, we've heard from nine different families, actually, over the course of this series. Um, and I really wanted us to hear uh, different, different perspectives on building strong families. Uh, but we have uh, covered a lot of ground. If you look at the topics we've covered on the left-hand side, design of the family, mission, multi-generational thinking, uh, godly fathers, godly moms, seeing our kids as arrows and assets. Um, and I've heard just so many good, just so many good uh, points of feedback on how you are applying some of the stuff that we've been talking about. That left side is mostly the messages around the why of the family. And then on the right-hand side, the how of the family. We've been talking about training to be a, a, a team on mission, uh, effective discipline in the family, stewarding our resources, having an outward posture, uh, habits of a family that's on mission, and the, and the rhythms of a family that's on mission. And um, we've built over time and discerned out of the scriptures uh, God's definition and of, uh, of a family mission, God's direction for family mission. And I thought it'd be good just to read it together. To be an overcoming, multi-generational team of disciples filled with love and grace on mission to make disciples of Jesus and bring the Father's kingdom into all their domains directed by the promptings and power of the Holy Spirit. And every family is going to adapt that and manifest that in a different way according to uh, our stage of life, according to our spiritual gifts, according to our temperament. But at least it gives us a, a framework uh, of how God wants us and what he has in mind for the family and how he told uh, Abraham right back at the beginning that uh, through Abraham he's going to bless every family in the earth. And uh, as we look at Galatians 3, that's our destiny uh, as, as fathers and mothers is to walk in the faith of Abraham and the power that uh, God has provided by his Holy Spirit to be patriarchs and matriarchs uh, of families that multi-generationally impact the world around us for the kingdom. And uh, I appreciated that uh, Zeke and uh, Josh over the last two weeks really made highlight of uh, how the core ways that we go about doing that, uh, seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus, obeying Jesus, telling other people about Jesus. And uh, I think Josh summarized it as, hear, obey, repeat. Hear, obey, repeat. And Josh took us through this uh, up, in, and out uh, triangle. My triangle's missing. Um, I, I can't quite... It's there. It's just not really visible. But anyway, you can see the triangle uh, from Luke chapter 6. And we begin with an up life, a life where we're connected to the Father uh, through our time alone with him, uh, where we hear his voice, uh, where we know his love and we have our identity settled in 
who he is, and then we move inward to a community of love, which is uh, accepting and uh, transparent, and where iron sharpens iron. And then with that, we move out uh, into the world with bold, contagious kingdom love for those who are far from God. And uh, Jesus modeled this pattern, and this is how we're trying to model our walk with Jesus together, up, in, and out. And so today is our our final topic in the series, and in, in a way to pull it all together, we can do all of the things that we've talked about so far really well, but if we don't protect our families from evil, uh, then a lot of what God is doing will be nullified, will be uh, diluted, will be uh, weakened. And so we're going to, this morning we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and the way that Paul uh, teaches us on prayer how to protect our families from evil. And out of that I want to draw five uh, critical uh, keys to warfare, uh, to warring in the spiritual realm uh, for our families, according to how Paul taught the church in Ephesus. So let's move over into the text for this morning. And if you're able, go ahead and stand, and I'd like to read this together. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to go from verse 10 to verse 18. Um, and Lord, uh, get, get this scripture into our hearts, please. Um, let's read it together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The word of God. Thank you for honoring that. You can sit down. Father, show us now this morning uh, in the way that only you can how to take this scripture this morning and apply it into our lives. And we, uh, we thank you for the privilege of being here in your presence as we study this together. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, I'm going to pull five keys of warfare out of this, out of this passage. And uh, the first of those is that uh, we are at war. We are at war, and therefore the step one is to live on a wartime footing. In the text this morning, we talked about pulling, putting on armor of a struggle of forces of evil uh, in the spiritual realm. There's a war going on. If we could put on spiritual glasses that would show us the spiritual realm, um, we would see, uh, first thing we would see is who has their armor on and who doesn't. 
The second thing we would see is uh, all kinds of uh, demonic and angelic forces at battle. At battle. Our, uh, our uh, guardian angels and other angelic forces, we'd see this, the, the nature of the battle that's going on. And so this entire passage is talking about things in the spiritual realm that, and using things in the physical realm to illustrate those. So we have to understand that we are talking about something extremely real that Paul is illustrating uh, using uh, the armor of probably a Roman soldier, but that he is seeing things in the spiritual realm that are reminders to us that we are at war. And so we need to live on a wartime footing. In the Second World War, the, the, the Allies... Uh, put their whole countries on wartime footing. That meant uh, certain types of food were rationed. That meant that there needed to be new factories opened up to make munitions and tanks and all that stuff. It wasn't business as usual. We had to shift gears, and uh, the whole the whole nation was involved in it. Well, very similarly, uh, if we don't recognize when we get out of bed in the morning that we are stepping into a war... Uh, we are going to be casual. We're going to be unprepared. We're going to be caught unawares. We were in Israel last uh, week uh, on March 25th when they fired rockets out of Gaza that landed north of Tel Aviv, about 10 miles south of where we were staying in Netanya. We didn't hear the sirens or the rockets, but that rocket hit a house uh, in that neighborhood and seven people uh, were injured. Uh, fortunately, I don't think anyone has died of their injuries, but serious injuries. And Israel is uh, a good picture of life on a war footing. Every single home has a um, has a uh, bunker uh, that people can run into, an, a, a serious cement encased bunker in every building, every apartment building, every floor. There's a, there's a bunker, every home, uh, and they're at war footing all the time. Those bunkers have water in them, food, and gas masks. Not only adult gas masks, but children's gas masks that have to be switched out every year or two when the children grow so it fits their face properly. So they are at a wartime footing all the time. It's been like that for 70 years, since 1948. So Paul is inviting us to be at wartime footing, to recognize that we're in the battle. And um, so I'm going to be a little bit like a drill sergeant this morning. Um, and uh, uh, this may feel a little bit, a little bit firm, but w- my goal is not to scare you. My goal is to prepare you. Okay? I want you to be able to stand. And actually what I really want is when this church wakes up and gets out of bed in the morning, I want the enemy to say, oh, crap, here they come. That's what I want. So, amen? Amen? All right. Amen? All right. Let's get ready. All right. Come on. All right. Peter says here, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is uh, reminding us to be alert. Paul, Paul uses the word alert for watchful. So, what, what does this mean? It means that we are preparing our families for battle. 
Now that can be a lot of things, but I want to just hit a few. Number one, age-relevant education. Not only in how to pray, but also some really important things that have to do with some of the evil around us and, and their protection. So for example, as early as two and a half to three years old, we can teach our children, hey look, wherever the bathing suit is, that's a no-touch zone. Nobody touches you there. Nobody touches you there. Except mom and dad. Nobody touches you. If anybody touches you there, you tell mom and dad. Also, uh, if anybody ever says to you, don't tell your mom and dad, then you tell your mom and dad. You train them that don't tell your mom and dad is a secret, and that's dangerous and unsafe. So you tell us right away. Right? So they're, they're not subject uh, to that kind of threat because we've prepared them. And they're, they're trained to yell out, scream out, whatever, if that happens. Media and people intruders. There are some people that we may be reaching who might be far from God, or there may be others even in our family that are unsafe people. Then we need to have watchful care over those people, and they, they may be welcome in our home under certain circumstances, but we do not let them become intruders. Um, another intruder is media. We spent a Saturday morning uh, developing a family game plan for what media access looks like in our families. And there's science behind this. There's guidelines that are from the medical community that are very straightforward, and, and we made those available to everybody. But again, we're training we're training. Another intruder that can be quite dangerous is sports. Uh, because of the way sports has evolved here from recreation to an unwritten pursuit of high school and college scholarships, we've got a whole change in how that whole thing works. And we see that 3% uh, of people in elementary school play in high school, 3% of people who play in high school play in college, and 3% of people who play in college play in pro sports. So we've got 50, 60, 70% of families chasing a 3% dream. And we get, we get misled, and it becomes an intruder into our family life. So we've got to be wise about that. I'm not giving anybody any rules about that. I'm just saying be wise. Don't let these things intrude into your family. And lastly, uh, and I, I say this really cautiously, sleepovers. Uh, we, uh, I can't tell you how many times someone in their 20s and 30s is unpacking baggage that happened to them during a sleepover when they were kids. It's scary. It's a scary thing. So all I can say about sleepovers is uh, be extremely careful. Be extremely careful. And it's got to be a super high-trust situation um, for you to engage in that. Otherwise, I think we expose our families to things that are dangerous and um, uh, that can ruin lives. So, number one, we live on a wartime footing. We recognize we're in a war, and we're doing it not to be scared, but to be prepared. Make sense? Okay, point number two. uh, We are also, in addition to defense, we're playing offense. So... Part of our role in life in the kingdom of God is to take something back from Satan, hopefully every day. 
In the beginning, our parents, Adam and Eve, handed this precious kingdom mandate that God gave them to the serpent. And for years and years and years, we lived in that that fallen condition. And on the cross, Jesus took it back. Jesus defeated the enemy. uh, And it says that on the cross, that was his triumph, his triumbos, as Paul would say in Colossians 2.15. So that... Uh, is, is our job. So how do we take something back uh, from Satan? Well, first of all, in the weaponry that we've put on, the armor of God, we've, we've got a sword. That's our offensive weapon. It's the word of God. It cuts to the heart. It cuts through bone and marrow. It speaks, as Jesus did in the temptation, it speaks to the enemy in no uncertain terms. And so... Uh, we, we can rebuke a fever. We can break a curse or vow that has been put over us. We can share the gospel. We can uh, pray for our neighbors. We can, as Josh was describing, distribute Christmas cookies uh, and, and, and invite them into relationship uh, around the Word of God, around our home, around our small group, or even here. We can pray and invite people for Easter Sunday. These are things we can do. We can also, according to the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we can repent, we can confess to one another, we can be forgiven, we can be completely cleansed, and we can be set free from all unrighteousness. So we can take back the accusation and the molestation that Satan is trying to bring into our lives because we have the Word of God, we have the authority of Jesus Christ, and this warrior here who's uh, heading into battle, this, this, this picture in this text probably comes from the fact that when he wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul probably had one or two of these guys guarding him in Rome. He was under house arrest in Rome. So he's using these real-world pictures to, to, to paint a picture for what it's like for us to be in the spiritual realm. So... We are moving in action, taking ground. The kingdom of God is advancing. It is made for advancement. It is inherently potent. And it is advancing wherever we care to move and pray for healing or step into the darkness. And make, make no mistake, uh, last week when Josh was talking about his family taking Christmas cookies to their neighbors... Uh, if you could put the spiritual realm glasses on again, that's what delivering cookies to the neighbors looks like. That's what's going on in the spiritual realm because somebody is moving out of the, the, the church and the kingdom into enemy territory and, and making an, a move on winning that house for Christ, right? So that's what's going on. It's inherently offensive, offensive warfare. So I want us not to just play defense, but also to play offense. And this is why Jesus came, and he wants us to walk in his power and authority. And he says it, or John says it this way, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that is our work as well. To let there be no doubt, let nothing stand in the way. This is our privilege and our authority in Christ to take back ground that the enemy has camped out. Now, point number three this morning is to seal our perimeter. 
This is a very standard military tactic. The way Paul says it is, extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. He's talking about the shield, but he's talking about the shield around the warrior preventing the darts, the fiery darts from penetrating in. The perimeter is sealed. And uh, the way that we think about that is that the enemy can move through every gate, every window, every door that we leave open. That we leave open. And we do that by agreeing with the enemy into besetting sin where we are over and over and over doing the thing that God, we know God doesn't want us to do. To do. We know it's not our, for our best, but it's these things we get trapped in. And that destroys our perimeter. Because when we are in agreement with Satan on that item, then that opens up our household to the work of the enemy. It's just the way warfare works. There's there's legal access given by someone who's agreeing with Satan on something into the, into the domains that we have authority over. So uh, we stand in sealing our perimeter. Uh, Paul says it this way, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have the authority and the power to demolish these spiritual strongholds that can take root in our lives. So, for example, uh, if a father is using pornography in his home, he is agreeing that that pleasure and that uh, activity uh, is uh, open and fair territory. He may even be saying, this is private between me, but that's not how the enemy sees it. The enemy sees it as his permission to come in and invade that home. Invade that home. And so you might as well roll up the windows, open the doors, and invite the enemy to come and mess with your family. Now, I'm bringing this as a specific example because the statistics tell us it's a problem. And there's no, I I want you to have like zero shame right now in this moment if that's where you are. That's reality, that's where you are. But I can also say there are brothers sitting in this room right now who have overcome this sin in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, by community, by understanding warfare and what they're doing in this area and what it means to their family. And they're overcoming that and they're walking in purity and freedom. And all I'm saying is, brothers, don't let it go on another week. Get help. Call me, see me, email me, text me, and we will connect you with people who have won this battle, who have trained and have won this battle in the spiritual realm, and they are walking in freedom. That is our destiny because the power of Christ is to demolish strongholds like that. That's where power and authority come from. So I, I want you to see that there are, other, there are other sins like it. Anger. There are generational curses. There's all kinds of things that give the enemy wiggle room into your life. And so we can close those gates. We can close those doors. Uh, we can seal the perimeter. And we can, we can win the battle in the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus. 
And so finally, sealing the perimeter looks like this from Gladiator, where Maximus gets his guys on the same page, they get their shields out, and they eventually defeat the enemy. This is a picture of a family being on the same page, of training, of obedience, um, of eliminating distractions from their perimeter, and that they are together standing uh, as a family because we've trained them. And our children grow in this spiritual understanding. And this is, this is challenging for us to see in the spiritual realm. But it's also simple enough with the way Paul expressed it. Put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. It's simple enough that our children at this church last summer could study that passage all summer. And then they could walk in here with the armor on that they made. And they could they get it they get it that this is a battle. Same thing for us and that we have, we have family unity around training. Uh, and one of the stories that <clears throat> really struck me, uh, one of the families that was with us uh, in early March uh, told the story about basic family command training, like come here and stop. Two very simple commands that any child can learn if they're trained and given, given consistent training. But they were walking from their car to church one morning and somebody wheeled in the church driving way too fast. And their uh, four-year-old was walking into that car and the, and the father said, stop! And the kid just stopped. He was trained to stop on the spot. Whenever his father or mother said stop, boom, Stop. And the car went by. So sometimes it can be life and death. It can be life and death to, to just have this simple uh, regimen in our families and being aware of these things. So seal our perimeter, right? Number four, stand firm in Jesus. Notice how the passage had stand firm or stand three times. It's a theme in Scripture. It's actually, you can find it 23 times in the Bible. It, it happens first in Exodus 14 when uh, Moses is here with the Israelites on the bank of the sea and the Egyptians are coming. And they're all getting bent out of shape. And, and Moses says, stand firm and see the deliverance of your God. And it happens again in Second Chronicles 20. Uh, and Jehoshaphat, they have to stand firm and see the deliverance of your God. Uh, and it goes on, and, and Jesus says in Luke 21, Stand firm and win life. Stand firm and you will have life. This is the abundant life that he's provided for us. Uh, let nothing move you. Stand firm. Uh, we've... We've, Christ has for freedom has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself get caught up in another yoke of slavery. So over and over again, this, this term stand firm simply means that we can stand in the middle of anything. And if we keep our eyes on Christ, he will, he will protect us. He will get us through whatever battle we are in. And this is what he said in John 10.10. Hey, look, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
So the enemy wants to come in and invade. And Jesus just says, stand firm. Stand firm. I don't know what stand firm looked like in Hebrew. I, I, uh, I, I hope it wasn't one of, like one of these. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But stand firm. Get ready. Get ready. You got a tough day ahead of you. Stand firm in Christ. Don't, don't, don't forget you've got Jesus. You've got Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you haven't got Jesus, then what I want you to do when we get, we're going to finish this morning in prayer. I just want you to come up and and kneel here and just ask Jesus to be that Lord of your life that we sang about earlier. Let him fill you with his presence, with his spirit. We'll pray with you and we'll help you on the walk to walk into the kind of power and the kind of authority that we're talking about that we have in Christ. And there's a prayer. And and by the way, because we are dealing with the spiritual realm here, there is a prayer that I want to make available to you. I've been praying it for 15 years with Marianne. And it's a prayer for daily freedom and protection written by John Eldridge. It takes 40 Bible verses and puts them together in a way that helps train you to understand the authority and the power that we actually have in Christ. And uh, Marianne and I, for the first few years, we would get out of bed in the morning, hit our knees, and we would pray that prayer, one paragraph each, alternating through that prayer. It's on the Connect desk. There's copies of it if you want to take it. But it is a prayer that will train you for warfare. It was a prayer that will remind you what Abba Father does and what Jesus does and what the Holy Spirit does and what the angelic forces that are at the disposal of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit can do for us as we walk this battle out. And then finally, uh, with that prayer in mind, uh, I want us to pray with victorious confidence. When we pray things, we are praying to the, the creator and conqueror of all evil in the universe. We are praying to the victorious one. We are praying. So I want us to be praying in God's power like we actually know and believe Jesus won already. That's kind of how we we need to be praying. And I'm going to show you an example in a minute, but I want to first give you a picture. Revelation 19. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And then this picture, which you've seen me use before. But this is the one in whose authority and power we are praying. The ruling king of the universe, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who's coming back for us. And he is... He is... Almighty. Almighty. So here's what a home protected from evil looks like. Uh, It's soaked in scripture and in the gospel, reminding ourselves that our sins are forgiven in worship. Uh, It's a spirit-led home that's on kingdom mission, that's taking things back from Satan. It's consistent training and discipline. So it's an army prepared for war. A safe place to confess and repent. So there can be no secrets. A prevailing, victorious, warfare-praying household. 
a household with the perimeter sealed where there's no intruders allowed. Uh, and then it's a, it's a home with age-relevant purity, education, and lifestyle so that these evils all around us cannot penetrate. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go uh, to close this uh, service. We're going to have worship going on and prayer. Um, and we're going to have prayer teams. Um, but I want to give you a model of what this kind of prevailing prayer can look like. I think it's always good. A picture's worth a thousand words. Hopefully you've got out of the text what kind of attitude comes. Now let's look at this uh, prayer warrior praying. And then I'm going to lead us into the last few minutes of the service. We're going to pray for our families. So let's watch this.
lead us into prayer, and I'm going to put some themes to pray for up there. Um, and then I'm going to turn this mic off, and we're going to pray. If you want to kneel, pray. If you want to come up to the altar, um, there'll be prayer teams here if you need individual prayer. But we're just going to finish today's service in prayer and uh, worship. So, Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that you want to train us for war. Lord, we thank you that you want us to take back what the enemy has taken. Lord, we thank you that in Christ you have given us all authority over every evil, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. There's nothing that you can't handle. There's nothing that you are unable to do, Father, as we submit our families to you, as we submit our marriages to you, as we submit our children to you. We ask you, Lord, to raise up these godly children who will be warriors for Christ to transform us by your power, Lord. To come, Holy Spirit, and show us how to pray in the Spirit at all times for all the believers. We love you, Jesus. We We thank you that you want to train us. We thank you that you've prepared for us this amazing privilege of prayer. And now we come to you, Lord, as a congregation for our families. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.